0: Hello and welcome to Abnormal Mapping, episode eighty-eight. I'm your host M. With me is my usual co-host Jackson. Hello. Uh, and we have a special guest uh, back on the podcast uh, after being on uh, a couple months ago is uh, Ashling.
1: Hello. Hey.
0: We are here to talk about video games. Uh,
2: Jackson, yes, let's start are. with you. What have you been playing? Oh God. Um... <laughs> <laughs> The the games for the podcast, and the the other things for the podcast, because we do have too many podcasts for me to play anything else. Um, Have I even touched another video game? Like, not really, honestly.
0: Uh, You have played Uh, one-third of uh, Birth by Sleep.
2: (laughs) Yep. Yeah, no, if we're keeping track of the Kingdom Hearts journey, which I get... Right, I guess... It's been a long time since we recorded a normal mapping, even though it's been two weeks. But, um, yeah, last uh, time I checked in on that was uh, I played the first third of Birth by Sleep. um, And I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, love to go back to it sometime, uh, but we are very busy, um, and yeah, it's it's cool. Uh, I like the command deck system a lot. Um, I know that's not in three, and that's very disappointing to me, because um, it ends up feeling kind of like a um, real-time version of... Uh, final fantasy 12's gambit system in a way and, like not to the full extent but you set up your deck you press triangle to do um a move and the deck is like all right i want fire i want hard attack i want heal i want this and every time you press triangle it goes down directly to the next one and you can just go to the start anytime so you just load up the attacks that like work in tandem press triangle three times and kill everyone and it's very satisfying and good um it feels like a good way to design around kingdom hearts inherent limitation of being an action game where um you can dodge every attack and you can hit every enemy with just the regular attack um so it kind of as it is regularly designed incentivizes never using magic unless um you're in like dire straits because you want to save your mp for heals Uh,
0: hard disagree
2: hard disagree well, no, I mean, like that is the problem with action game design. Kingdom Hearts 2 li- like, designs against that by adding the, like making it so that you recharge when you run out, right? Mm. Um, like They've been working on this problem. I think the command deck is a better solution for it. okay? Uh, because a- every ability has its own co- cooldown Tiber, and that's the only way that abilities are monitored. Uh, and it encourages you to switch up what you're using all the way. I mean, I guess other people are just better about using their MP bar than me, but I appreciated this. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and I'm, yeah, it's it's good. Uh, everyone should play Birth by Sleep, but everyone's already played Kingdom Hearts three, so like I'm already i've i've missed the boat. So you know, um, <laughs> that's my take. I guess the game's good. Okay, uh, Ashley, what have you been playing? Um, primarily Kingdom Hearts three, which I know I
1: can't talk a whole lot about for mostly Jackson's sake. I think it's you've true. been playing the game as well. Oh uh, yeah, um, I'm like a third in. Um, I think I can safely say that I was. I kind of expected it but I was surprised how much when you don't have nostalgia for the Disney Worlds that are in the game, it affects it the experience a lot. Um but otherwise, yeah, I don't wanna to say too much because you know, Jackson's going to play the game
2: eventually. <laughs> yeah, I will I will be there. We'll be able to do a proper Kingdom Hearts talk later in the year, um with everyone never catch up. never 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 it will, no this one will happen
0: okay uh i have been playing spyro the dragon 1 uh hell yeah because i picked up the spyro trilogy it was on sale uh recently on psn uh i had played spyro like actual spyro mostly the demo on like the playstation underground discs back in the day i don't think i ever rented the game and i certainly didn't own it um and uh i like spyro a lot uh, I, I remember thinking it was really floaty and weird and it's still floaty and weird, but it's nice to just play a chill platformer. Now that those things don't exist, um, as a thing you can do, <laughs> nobody makes those anymore. Um, yeah. and so it's nice just run around, uh, without a whole lot of peril, collecting gems and jumping on stuff. Um, the flight there's like levels where spirals just flying and you have to collect oh, things. Really those bad. levels are terrible. They're the worst. The uh, first
2: one, especially is like the worst one. I think I failed it about 10 times.
0: Uh, each t- uh, So, I've done two so far, because I'm two worlds in. I just started the third. And each time, uh, I have to basically trial and error it about ten times to get the full run. Because to get the full marks, you have to collect all four, thi- like, ten of four things in a single run. Uh, and it's all timed. So, doing that was, like, I intend to 100% this game. I guess that's just who I am. Uh, I guess I should lead with that. I could just skip these things, but I will not. Because, uh... Mm-hmm. I'm stubborn, um, but it's good. I, I After this, I'm probably going to take a big break before I play Spyro 2, because from what I can tell, those games are basically the same game, much the same way Crash Bandicoot is. Uh, they, I'm sure they get better, but also they're probably too similar for me to just jump from one to the other to the other.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I like Spyro 1 a lot more than I like Crash Bandicoot 1. Well, yes, game. it's a much better game. <laughs> uh, so I'm actually really curious, to, because I I would like to go on Spyro 2 at some point. I never quite finished my Spyro 1 run, but I got pretty close, so I'll finish that. Ripto's on Rage? Two. Is that two? Uh, one of them. That's definitely one of them. Okay. Uh, no, Spyro 3, Ripto's Rage. Spyro 2, Year of the Dragon. I would assume I that would go the other way around. I
1: definitely okay. played all these games at some point, but <laughs> I'll, 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 all I remember is like
2: very vague things. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
2: Um, I mean, I played a little bit on the PlayStation at my friend's house. Uh, I remember really liking flying, and that remains true. Gliding is fun. It, uh, put I, gliding I, I, in actually, I actually That's don't good. like the glide. You don't like the glide? I don't like the glide. I
0: think the ways in which you have to like make sure you're absolutely at the pinnacle of your jump and the game designs around it is a little too stringent. Uh, I, w- I just wish he had like a clamber when you got close to like a geometry. If you're just oh, yeah. underneath it, um, he like climbed absolutely. up.
2: Absolutely. Uh, um, it's true, like, any time the game makes that very necessary, it's frustrating, but mm. the other way it goes, which is the time where you feel like you're cheating the game by gliding onto a platform you shouldn't get to, even though they probably did design it for that. Oh, they always uh, do. They always do, but it gets that cream, feeling across from, I bet I could get to that if I glide, and you do, and it feels good. I, I like that kind of level design, Inspire has a lot of that, but I'm... Um, uh, t- Nerves no, is the wrong word, but I'm, like, hesitant about because I've heard that Spyro 2 and 3 get, like, heavy on their mini games and less about the core, just, here's a world. Go through it till you get other gems. I mean, I, I could
0: appreciate some variety if... Because, mm-hmm. like, I mean, this is nice, but it, you literally do the same thing you in every You do the level. one
2: thing, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes uh, you do a terrible flight level.
0: I do really like how the remake looks. I think it adds a lot of charm uh, yes. to the worlds. Uh, they have a very, like, almost like clay model look to them often. Um mm-hmm. I I dislike that the dragons all have, like, the same boring, like, American voice actor voice now. Um, There was much more charm in the, uh, like, fake European or real European voices used for the dragons in the first game, in my memory. And I did look up some video, and yeah, they, they were better than these ones. Though the dragons do all have, like, a personality. Like, they all have, one of them is painting, one of them is making bread, one of them has, like, an axe. Like, they all have their character trait, class in the village kind of nature to them which they did not originally have which i appreciate
2: mm-hmm. the, the designs are really cool in this game yeah um it's a good remake the they, they don't is... try to make
0: spyro like cool he is just a very overeager child and i appreciate that because '90 spyro is definitely trying to be cool
2: the choice of them to just keep the same like lines and not yes. try to rewrite any of the dialogue to make it feel more natural was very good because they do all this effort and then the dialogue is just, Spyro, remember to jump over your, the power lines. It's and Spyro goes, it's uh-huh. good. <laughs> um, yep. Uh, good game. Uh, Alright.
0: With that update out of the way, I guess we can move on to our game club at this moment.
2: Our game club for this month is the game Killer 7, uh, which is originally a GameCube game from 2005, uh, developed by Grasshopper, uh, published by Capcom, uh, written and directed uh, by Suda 51. Uh, it is the game that, like, I, I don't know if it's actually the first one of his to come over here, uh, but it is the first one to come over here that definitely like did um, cult numbers and kind of put him on the map um, in a lot of like audiences. Uh, and that's, a uh, we are playing the PC version that came out recently. Um, uh, at least, uh, me and Emma, I think, Ashling uh, played the old GameCube I'm rather than buy it again. Uh, yeah. Because they are, own, they are identical.
1: I own the GameCube and the PlayStation 2 one because I bought the PlayStation 2 one first and it turns out that was a terrible port.
2: It, yes, it's not very good. The loading times. Oh, God. Uh, but... We were able to play the game. We played it on the computer, so that was very made it very easy and accessible. It's available for everyone. If you have never played Killer 7, just go get it. Um, and we're going to talk about the whole thing now, and that's that's the game. Killer 7 uh, is. A Resident Evil-like game in which you go uh, and use keys to open doors. Uh, there are various rooms, the environments like double back on each other, they have a lot of uh, backtracking. Uh, you find things, uh, like you find items that are used in puzzles to allow you to progress through the environment. Just as with Resident Evil um, there is like obstacles and enemies you have to fight along the way, unlike the survival horror zombies these are the Heaven Smile um, which are invisible monsters that uh, you have to dispatch um, by, while walking around uh, the environment. And the way you do that is uh, you press the left trigger whenever you hear a laugh um, to scan the environment to make them visible. And then you go into first-person mode and you shoot them in their weak spot. Uh, you play as the killer seven, which is six people uh, at any given time. Um, seven people. And... Seven people. No, seven people at any given time. Um it's six people, it's six people in normal gameplay, or it's eight people around the edges.
0: Yeah, but you could play as Garcian pretty regularly as long as someone's I guess that.
2: you could play as yeah. Garcian but there's six people in the menu and I was like, hang on what's going on here? Uh, but yes, you play uh, as the Killer7 which are a band of assassins and the the gameplay, f- we'll get into like the story in a minute, but the gameplay function is you switch between various characters that all have slightly different abilities uh, and properties uh, and you can use them in different ways to progress through the environment and make it through the story. That is the mechanical like, uh, bare bones description of what the video game is. Uh, just to give some context to that. So uh, before we get into the story, uh, Ashlyn, why did you pick this game? Suda
1: is a developer that I find really fascinating, um, even though a lot of his games are pretty, like, they're hit or miss for me, actually. Um, Mm -hmm. But he he has a lot of, obviously, uh, his own style in his games, and all of his games are pretty different. um, But This was his first big hit, and I think even he still considers it to be his best game. Uh, So, you know, it's a classic, and it's probably a game that most people who listen to a podcast like this have already played, but if not, you know, it might introduce some new people to the game.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh, I I would say it's definitely a game that people know about, but not everyone had a GameCube at a time, uh, so I think with the Steam version, more people will go back and actually play it. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, um... At the time that this, that I first played this game, I got the PlayStation 2 game, and that port was so bad that I just went out and bought the GameCube game, but then I still kind of bounced off of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it was uh, a function of like the weird gameplay, like the whole rail shooter kind of feel it has, yeah. or if I just couldn't appreciate um, the themes that it was trying to get across at the time. I don't know if I even appreciate those themes now, but... Um, it, it, it's it's kind of a weird experience, and um, I thought it would be an interesting game to talk about. So there we go. <laughs> yeah,
2: cool. Um, yeah, um, I mean, I had a good time playing it. Uh, before we get into like what we all uh, thought about the game, uh, Andrew, do you want to do like your best job at like a broad story summary? Okay, so it is a slightly
0: fictionalized version of the present day. Uh Everyone took all the nukes in the world and fired them up into the atmosphere and blew them all up uh, and created an era of peace. But it seems like a kind of totalitarian, like, shadow global government led by the U.S. peace. Uh, and thus, people seem very uneasy with everything. Uh, and there is a new uh, set of, like, like a new terrorist group called the Heaven Smile Which they introduce to you as, like, actual terrorists, but they are monsters. They're invisible monsters. So, that asks some questions. Uh, It is like a virus that infects humans and turns them into invisible monsters. Um, And the main thrust of the, like, geopolitics of the game is a push and pull between, like, aspects of the Japanese government uh, and how they interface with America uh because there's a new like militarized party in Japan that wants to break away uh from the United States uh and then there's the version that's like buddy buddy with the United States uh and the US just uh, is like well we should just uh maybe snuff them all out instead of uh instead of dealing with any of this and to do that to d- interface with these politics they have hired the killer 7 which is a to also eradicate the heaven smiles uh killer 7 is seven eight infinite people <laughs> who are one person uh the way people think the way you were presented heaven smiles is harman smith who is an old like pre like uh like protestant preacher in a wheelchair with a giant gun who can it is said can turn into seven other people uh who is like the exploitation character Garshan smith who's like the cleaner um there's dan smith who is just anime man uh there is, is anime a- man Uh, There's Katie Smith, who is the lady. Uh, She is barefoot and has, like, a bloodstained dress. Uh, There's Kevin Smith, who is, like, a (laughs) sunglass-wearing albino stealth man. Uh, It's still funny.
2: It's still funny. Every time. The philosophical
0: opposite of real-life Kevin Smith.
2: (laughs) (laughs) There are no jorts on this map. Can I mod jorts into Kevin Smith's model? (laughs) Uh, uh,
0: There is Coyote Smith, who is Puerto Rican and, like, the thief character. Uh, He can jump really high and unlock stuff. Uh, there's Khan Smith, who runs really fast and shoots really fast and is just like the kid. And then there's Luchador Masked to Smith, who has grenade launchers and can uh, move heavy objects. That's his whole deal. Uh, you pick who characters you play as, whatever, as you go through the world. And interface with the strange missions you were sent on and the increasing political unrest as Japan and the U.S. almost go to war. Bad stuff happens to Japan in this game. Yes. Um, I, you know, I'm just going to segue in. I played this game probably around the time it came out. Uh, I was looking for GameCube games. I only had a GameCube. This was when I was... In college, I had very little money for games. And this game went on discount very rapidly because it was not very popular. Uh, there was a time where you could get this game for $10 at a Target, no problem.
2: Um, I miss video games.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so I played this game because I'd played every GameCube game I owned at that time. Uh, and it was the first, like, weird game I think I'd ever played, really. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, there weren't indie games and I had a GameCube. Like, there's there was stuff that was quirky, but this game embraces like a deep weird like aesthetic mishmash that i had never seen before and i was very entranced with it despite the fact i didn't like shooter like shooting games and i genuinely still think the game is kind of unsettling to play uh the heaven smiles freak me out they continue to freak me out um it was also the first like politics game that wasn't metal gear that i'd played um which uh man (laughs) we'll we'll talk about that i guess (laughs) yeah Uh, uh Yeah. So I I, I I have affection for this game. I imported the soundtrack from Japan back in the day, spent way too much money on it. Um, this is a beloved game for me, but I had not revisited it in many years uh, and was uh, actually delighted to find that I still enjoy pretty much all of it. Um, I think it's a mess, the- but I think it's a really interesting mess. Because
2: mm-hmm. I know that you have played like other pseudo games like he released after this and been increasingly more thinking emoji at them
0: well i like no more heroes uh one Mm -hmm. i i I only played a little bit of two i really dislike killer is dead which is uh the other game that is kind of like this it's kind of the middle ground between killer seven and no more heroes and it's i think it's a really bad game
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm. and then i i know it's not like he didn't direct it but um and like grasshopper did that let it die game that was awful i didn't play that Uh, and
0: people seem to like that i don't know i didn't touch it
2: (laughs) Uh, some of the gameplay was fine, but it really like, became a game in which you were going to put some money into it real quickly. I don't know. It was just very depressing. For, okay. I mean, like, I've tried uh, to play
0: Flower, Sun, and Rain. It's just too old and clunky for me to, like, really interface with. I didn't spend a lot mm-hmm. of effort with it. I know some people like the Silver Case. Like, there's, like, I'm not here to say all Goichi Suda games are terrible. I just, nothing has replicated the high I felt playing Killer 7 the first time. Nothing ever will just because I'm a different person, but I still have affection for that.
2: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I definitely, when came coming to it, was, like, uh, not disappointed is the wrong word. I mean, it wasn't as weird as I was, like, expected because um, this game for someone in 2005 who hasn't, like, been neck deep in anime culture for the last five years, right, must have been just something else. Uh, whereas now it feels like kind of a more... Um, surface level like smattering of weirdness and arch presentation on top of very familiar themes um and that i don't mean as a critique of the game i actually really love the game um specifically i think the like the way it turns um this era of like capcom game design resident evil devil may cry use keys to open doors into just the smoothest um form of itself with its uh pathing rail shooter mechanics uh, i think is that's that's the part of the game i really adore um whereas the part uh where it was weird and off kilter um at least in a like a grand thematic way i think it works better on a more like moment-to-moment basis uh but um that was less effective for me mm. uh just because i played it for the first time in 2019 and i have played all the metal gears and i've you know watched a lot of anime and uh uh and i've i have heard about you know i know that the election has been rigged <laughs> These are things I am aware of. <laughs> um, but I, I don't think that really takes away from the game being like... It just, just puts it in a different context. It's still very cool.
0: Well, here's my actual question. Is the election is determined by a single school in the northwest <laughs> of the United States more or less ridiculous than Russia has secretly influenced the
2: U.S. election? <laughs> um, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean...
0: As okay, <laughs> as a British person, please give me your read on this. Situation.
2: As portrayed in the game, so if you strip out the parts of the game to do with model personality and a Lichdor wrestler that carries grenade launchers and an assassin child from the past and the future uh, and God, um, the premise of a school that lives in the right district uh, being a front for um, like for people to uh, choose who is the next. Um, you know, leader of America uh, is more believable than the idea that someone went, if we're going to change the world with posts. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, I mean, I guess at its core, if you strip away
0: all of the, like, stylish elements, this is a story about gerrymandering and how it can be abused by people. (laughs) Like,
2: the actual premise of how this works has been thought through way... Like, I'm not saying it's actually a believable story. I don't think it happens. I'm not doing a conspiracy theory here, or saying that Kill 7 is genius about the way that, uh, you know. I am saying that the idea that Russian trolls would a deliberate electoral rigging thing is stupid. Oh, uh, they are the real heaven smile. They are. I the- <laughs> Good- <laughs> was not prepared for it to go off in this t- Just the other day you were saying that podcasts should try to be evergreen. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> that,
0: we will be living in the hellscape of relitigating 2016 <laughs> for many years to come. <laughs>
2: it's 2019. We're making some 2016 jokes because they have never gone away.
1: Yeah. Um.
2: Uh, yeah. So, Ashley, what did you think of the game, Um, going back to it? Because you played it again.
1: Yeah. So, I played it, like I said, I bounced off of it the first time, which was in like 2005, 2006. Mm-hmm. And then I played it a couple of years ago and I, I loved it. And I still enjoyed it a lot. Um, I think. I also have um, experienced a wider range of things that are like this since the first time that I really fell in love with it. So like a lot of it's like quirky charm kind of um, wasn't as effective, um, but was kind of replaced by nostalgia, I guess.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but yeah, so the, I mean, it, it's, it's a weird game because like there's puzzles, but they're not, hard puzzles so they're just kind of like you know you 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 go through them in a very like direct way um the combat is there but nothing super hard like a lot of the bosses are pretty easy some of the bosses are literally like impossible to lose um but it it all comes together into something that is i I think worth
2: experiencing so (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh yeah, i had a great time uh i think the reduction of that game design is um is very cool and effective uh and like you look at the history of this kind of um game uh and you see like it becoming progressively less and less complicated uh like the puzzles in resident evil one which i didn't play too much of because i'm a big baby but even at the start they are way more complex than they ever become in um uh, Kill Seven. I think the the furthest out Kill Seven goes is having you listen to tapes to put keys, uh, into um into like the uh you know the, the computer to find out who Amir Parkrunner is, um. And even that is just kind of very direct. Collect all the things and put them in there. There's very the puzzle solving is definitely less um less complex. And so it ends up becoming something that is more about the process of the satisfaction of going through these motions. It reminds me um a lot of another game that is in a different genre but takes the same approach to that genre that has been around for the 90s. It's like the Tomb Raider legend of these games uh, where you go through um, and you just satisfactorily do the tasks that are appointed of you to solve the puzzles to get into the next room. uh, And like that is a game from the exact same year that was like approaching a genre that was very uh the p- puzzles would used to be kind of old and finicky uh and just making them very uh, simplified but satisfying to do um and I I like that as an ethos uh so I I think I think that's really cool about this game um I am was less into the fact that I had to stop every 2 seconds to hear 2 minutes of a character um talking about something that I didn't understand I thought that was kind of bad
0: uh, I would disagree. I love sopping and talking to the weirdos that inhabit your mental ghost space or whatever.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I appreciate the... I mean, the visual design of the characters is, like, super great to me. Just, like, the um, the different shirts that Travis wears, especially. Um, and... Yeah, just, like, the fact that, like, these are characters that you don't really know why why they're connected to you at the start, but you know that they're connected to you, and then you, like, you know, they, they kind of unravel their own story as well as helping you, well, supposed to be helping you get through the, through the game, but, like, most of the stuff is so simple that you probably would have figured it out if they weren't there.
2: Yeah, I think I talked to the businessman who helps you, like, figure out the clues once,
1: yeah,
0: don't ever talk to him again unless you want to use his ability because he doesn't tell you anything of note. Uh,
2: yeah, because he'll just say you have to do this thing, and then you shoot the um, you shoot the mask, and then the mask will say the same thing but more directly.
1: And with a fuck are you thrown in.
2: Uh, and then eventually you realize that the mask, like, already has uh, the mask, the map already has like a label for everything you can interact with and what what you need to interact with it. Um yep. So, it, like, it definitely makes it very easy to approach all of its puzzles.
0: Yeah. Uh, also, you could just out tab and go to the IGN walkthrough, which is what I did whenever I was moder- moderately stuck on anything.
2: <laughs> the only puzzle that uh, was like, what the fuck am I meant to do, was the one to get the tape recorder.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, um, that's fair.
2: And the walkthrough I was using didn't mention it, because you can go through because it was like, oh, it's much quicker to do this and then go back and get the tape recorder and put it in later, um, which kind of screwed me over. Like, I didn't get to experience the last level as it was intended because I ended up doing that because I didn't know I had to get the tape recorder. I was like, oh, I can't figure out what this puzzle is right now. I'm sure I'll back, back around. And eventually I um just made it to the final room. I didn't, I still didn't have the tape recorder or know how to open the second vault, and I had to go back and do all that with no enemies around, so it felt kind of empty. Um and I got all the tapes in I'd already got all the tapes, so I just listened to them all in one go and put them in, put the clues in. Um, but, yeah, I mean, yeah. You go through the stuff, it's it's good. Yeah. Uh, I
0: feel, like, I don't disagree with anything you said. I think I appreciate this game more on its aesthetic level. Uh, as I was playing it, uh, I described it as the, like, to the, like, tsunami promo for an anime you never watched, and I feel <laughs> yes. like that's still true. Uh the moment to moment like what is happening in the story who is what what are you doing on any given mission is kind of incoherent uh and i think that's deliberate in that it's like a of a bunch of ideas um like there's a whole dan chapter that wraps around the entire fact that like in the game, they describe Dan as, like, an anime character, and he just gets the, like, Spike Spiegel anime protagonist plot where he has to go and deal with uh, his mentor, who is now, like, an evil person, and have a standoff as they both use guns in the same way uh, in a big, like, dramatic shootout that is a bad boss fight, because the boss fights in this game are bad, Um But then you have, like, the one-off episodes where you go uh, in Cloud Man when you go to, like, the weird cultist and you're going around the town talking to people and they give you literal anime cutscenes of characters talking about the cult leader and how he's affected the town and what they think of him. Uh, And it just reminds me of this, like, disjointedness of, like... I'm going to turn on an anime I've never seen before. Is this the lore episode? Is this a one-off mission episode? No uh, it I is. distinctly have that memory of watching anime in the early aughts when I just like randomly have television on. Um, mm-hmm. And I think killer seven really embraces that aspect of like the aesthetics of being into like anime things um, in a way that very few games have ever done. Like you think of something like, um, what's that uh, like uh Sentai show shooter game. Uh you know what I'm talking about, right? The top-down roguelike that does the VHS, like, Voltron aesthetic? Chroma, whatever, Chromaforce? No, 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 the, no. The,
2: the top-down roguelike that does the VHS aesthetic? The one oh. Austin
0: really likes, where you hit the pause and it's like a VHS tape. Galaxy? <laughs> my- yes, Galaxy, thank you.
2: Yes. Okay. Uh,
0: when you think of something like Galaxy that pulls from the aesthetics of anime, it's very much like an older, like, more classic anime fan aesthetic. And to me, this is like... Uh, just rolling up and not knowing what was going to be on the TV And seeing a cool episode of Witch Hunter Robin um, mm-hmm. And I think it does that really well It does the exact same thing where the po- you're like There's politics here, but they're incoherent Is this the anime? Do I not understand because I'm 16? <laughs> uh, is it just because it's dubbed? Because it's on t- the television? I don't know, I can't tell, I'll never know Because I'm never going to revisit these shows <laughs> Yep um, and going back to this and realizing that no, there's statements here, but also they are kind of deliberately incoherent, uh, because they play fast and loose with stuff. Like, the whole, like a lot of the missions you go on in the game do not matter for anything. The part where there's a comic book artist who just makes comic book characters that come alive and fight you, uh, means nothing. It's a one-off. <laughs> and that's like the <laughs>
2: penultimate episode of the game, which is yes. yeah. Like while it's happening, and due to the amount of anime cutscenes in that in that thing, feels like it's building up to like the plot conclusion. It's not. It's just a thing you do. <laughs> you uh, the thing I like about them. that
0: is that Cloud Man has anime cutscenes, and that level I don't remember the name of the level has anime cutscenes. They are in a different Agent style, Z. and the the Cloud Man ones are like have a distinctive like personality to them the way they look uh they're really evocative and then the ones in that level are the most bland like tie in anime possible like that scene where Dan's just standing there watching the guy play the guitar and he's not animating and he looks bad because it's a bad drawing <laughs> of Dan Smith
2: very good uh i did not a first realize that was just meant to be dan like is that dan is that a new character who is that <laughs> who is that guy's face what is that face it could be anyone it's just an anime man <laughs> Um, I don't know how intentional that is, but it doesn't really matter in the end. <laughs> it's still very good.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think when you mentioned that like boss fights are bad, I think it's funny because they have a bunch of boss fights that like it, it'd be really hard to make like a, a great actiony boss fight with this um, game. The way this game is structured, but they have like the first boss is really slow. Like, you just, like, wait for it to do, like, the slow attack and then run around it. This There's a couple bosses that you literally just, like, hold hold your cursor on them and shoot repeatedly. And then they have one boss that could have been really interesting, which is, um, uh, I think it's Kuchiki and Akiba or something like that. Yeah. Um, And that could have been a really interesting boss fight, except they tell you to shoot the tie, which means that you, the rest of the boss fight falls into place. Like, it could have been, like, a puzzle, like, you try and figure out what you're supposed to do, but instead it just tells you what to do. And then yeah i don't know like I, I i think if they did more puzzle boss fights and they didn't give you a way to like tell you the solution to the puzzle then it could have been a little better in terms of like the boss fights mm-hmm.
2: um i think there was there was some of them i really like the um the, i don't think it was a boss fight but there's that there's that seat, set piece in the big uh the big circular ring uh, and you've got to turn around and then run the other direction so it automatically turns around so you can get the weak spot um there's stuff like that uh, that ended up being pretty cool um i wasn't as down on the boss fights as uh, people had i thought they were mostly fine I, I really the only one i really didn't like uh was the one in the car park i mean and then you basically play
0: that exact same thing again in the room with the shutters
2: uh it's much better in the room with the shutters
0: yeah no i i agree but also it's just standing there waiting to shoot the girl who runs around real fast like that's I'm, that's
2: all there is to it both of them have the same well here's the thing is that like both of them have the same problem with it, it takes way too many hits yes. um to take out the person but then you get to like my experience with the cloudbound boss uh which is i literally ran around saw his weak spot shot him he was dead and It was like oh, i barely registered as a boss fight i was like wait was that it was that meant uh, to be that, a bigger that, set piece that's
0: one of the like better set piece boss fights to me because you're just I, running around this maze of uh like slammed together ambulances trying to figure out how to get to him
2: i saw. So i got him in like 10 seconds <laughs> well uh and like i guess it's good that he only took one hit um but also i meant i didn't get to literally experience the like flow of that boss fight uh but then you know the the ones that took too long to kill were also annoying so i yeah i don't know really how you solve the boss fight problem but i never know how you solve the boss fight problem in a lot of games
0: yeah no i i agree Uh, I I appreciate the ones that are more like just a scripted sequence, like the Handsomeman fight or the shootout with uh, Curtis Blackburn. Like just the this is what's going to happen. It's going to look cool. It doesn't. It's not an actual challenge thing. I think is a mm-hmm. better thing to do with this game because um, it, it just the mechanics of what it is. I don't think allow for boss fights in the way you think of them to happen very well.
2: Uh, so what do people think of the um, like moment to moment just. Moving around and shooting mechanics, we haven't really talked about that that much. Because um, we talked about the puzzles and level design, but the, like, walk into a room, hear laughter, uh, pull up the first person, do the scan, shoot the heaven smile.
1: Um, Something that's happened with a lot of, like, horror and video games is that they've effectively become. Uh, action games, and that's because like older horror games like Resident Evil had like the tank controls, and that meant you had you, your control wasn't as fluid, so it wasn't like as much of an action game. I think this game manages to evoke some of that, where like you you enter a room and you hear a laugh, or like you're running down a hallway and you hear a laugh, and you have to like go into first person and you scan, and maybe like the thing was around a corner or is behind you. You don't know necessarily where it's coming from until you manage to look the right way and scan it. Um, so like, and and it could be running at you that whole time for all you know, and that that can that can evoke kind of that same uh, like horror feel of like maybe it's not ideal that the horror comes from the fact that you don't have like great control of your character, but it ends up uh, doing that in my opinion, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I ended up feeling like it because I I don't like horror games uh, as a rule. I'm a big baby. I don't like to be scared um but i had i was completely fine with um because i like wasn't even didn't even register on the scale uh but i did feel unsettled i thought it was a very good way of like communicating the ideas of like what horror is without any of the like <laughs> horror parts if that makes sense like i get unsettled when i hear the laughter i like scramble and panic to find the weak spot as i uh as i hear them coming um i have to like awkwardly mess with the controls and turn around like press the b button turn around press the a button to run if i need like a little bit more space uh something like changing between your personas um like all of that stuff adds up to this uh really good not it's like it it is fundamentally not a survival horror game um but it does communicate a lot of the mood of the moment-to-moment of those kind of encounters, uh, without making it actually, like, capital S, scary, Um, because it's the aesthetic is just too cool and chill Mm -hmm. uh, for that to ever really overpower anything. Even Uh, the enemies are super colourful. I think the first level is, like, uh, also the most it ever leans into its horror aesthetics, like, the start of the game is a little bit more unsettling than the rest of it. Uh, But, all in all, I, I was very fine with that, and I I was like, oh, this is this is a horror game for people like me, I guess. <laughs> I think that's interesting because I feel about the exact same amount
0: of tension I do playing Killer7 as I do playing something in like Resident Evil. No. Killer7 doesn't have anything jump out at you. It, uh, jump scares are not the problem. It's going into a room, hearing the noise that means that something around the corner is about to shuffle at me, and then having to deal with that. That is the thing that is scary. A jump scare is startling uh, sometimes, and then eventually becomes like dumb, but that's not what horror is. Oh yeah, uh, but
2: um, I don't know. I just feel like it was because of I, because of the way that the like tank controls work. I don't have to like do the thing where you inch around a, um, a corner and try to avoid seeing what's going to be like jump out at you. Um, I felt pretty comfortable most of the time when like I if I was going to do a scan, I felt safe. Uh, it doesn't really spawn enemies right on top of you. It doesn't really spawn enemies behind. There was a couple of times it spawned enemies behind you that were like effective because of how little it does it. Mm-hmm. um uh so there were moments that like ratcheted up the tension and that stuff but you know i, I don't know it felt easier to me than resident evil one resident Evil one's a much scarier game i can't tell you why i just just wisdom my truth
0: yeah no that's fair i just don't have that experience like i finished every chapter killer seven feeling very wrung out and played this game in like pretty short like hour 90 minute bursts because otherwise i was just too frazzled oh. uh
2: I think this explains our different feelings on the um, the like NPC dialogue, because mm-hmm. uh, I wanted this to be like a game where you just get into a sense of flow and put a key in a door, uh, and then do the next. And I didn't want to keep being interrupted for that. Uh, whereas oh, you know, much... the
0: minute Travis is going to show up and say something nonsensical and thrust at the air, I'm like, oh, finally a break.
2: Yeah, that makes much more sense to me, um, and I can see how that atmosphere would work in the game. And
1: mm-hmm. also. Um every time the first time you meet a new type of smile that that is a, like a very effective moment like the first time you meet the small ones that fly you a lot faster because that was like the first fast enemy you saw um the first time you meet the ones that crawl on the ceiling because before that you didn't really have anything to like look up at necessarily um like the first time something spawns behind you like any time like there's a first time something happens because you 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 aren't um you don't have the muscle memory to like approach that situation yet it makes it really effective i think mm-hmm.
2: um the enemy that always was the most i have to take this out because there's too much um like i can't deal with the noise that i'm hearing is the the rolling one and they're actually the least threatening enemy in the game if you get killed by the rolling enemies. You're bad at a Seven, uh, but um, that noise is just like the little, little, ding, ding, little ding, baby ding, ball, ding, yes. the little baby ball. I'm like, ah, stop it! Who is doing that? I need to kill them before I like even move even further. And they are easily not close to the most threatening enemies in the game, but they're the ones I had hated seeing the most because of that noise. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, that's just how I was. Yeah, no, I understand. That's like me with every enemy. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the uh, story towards the end of the game. Sure. What uh, part? Uh, uh, yeah. So, uh, do we want to summarize it, people? Like, we haven't really been super summarizing things. We've been kind of I, just...
0: okay. I'll do it. I'll do it as quickly as possible because the game spends a lot of time like <laughs> suggesting and walking around ideas, right?
2: Yeah, and we're not going to talk about the like stuff in hand of Kylarsera, which as the game presents it. Yes. So. The U.S.
0: Uh, is upset about the relations and basically fires a bunch of missiles at Japan, supposedly destroying it. That's how it's played or whatever. Uh, like, most of Japan is gone. However, a lot of the, like, militant party of Japan rallied around a leader in the United States, and there's millions of them living in the U.S., uh, which is a problem because they've discovered that they can go to the school. that Because the demographics are set up, the people who live in the area where they vote at this school are always the people who end up deciding the way the election goes. And they're like, they're going to have 10 million Japanese people go and vote in this election and choose the president. And then where will the U.S. be? Um, and this also happens to be the school that trains assassins in, like,
2: the 50s. Same school.
0: Same school. <laughs> yes. Um, and so this was like a front uh, to help train super assassins and also determines who the president is. And in the school, they trained a young boy named Amir Park Reiner um, who uh, is a mystery. But you'd been getting... Uh, you'd been getting like carrier pigeon letters throughout the game of someone writing to Amir to give them information uh, about the Killer Seven. And you're like, oh, someone's t- t- talking about us. Uh, and you eventually learn that they were not talking about you. They were talking about the original Killer Seven, which were assassins that lived 50 years ago. There were just seven people. Um, and at some point, Amir Park Reiner killed them all uh, in the hotel that you visit twice or whatever. Um, And then, like, had a mental break and shot himself? Yep. Uh, And in doing so, him and all the people he killed were absorbed into Harmon Smith, who is the only real person, but also might be, like, a mystical being that transcends time. Uh, Mm -hmm. They imply that he is, like, a god that exists in, like, a yin-yang state with, like, a Asian god. Like, Garson Smith is, like, the Western religion, and his villain is Kun Lan, who is, like, Eastern religion, and they are constantly fighting a battle for the souls of all mankind, or whatever. Uh, but also, there's, like, an Earth avatar that is an old man who can manifest all the dead, and did that with Garson and the rest of the Killer Seven, or with Amir, who is now Garcian and the rest of the Killer Seven, who all seem to keep their names, I don't know, uh... But uh, and they are all exist uh, as his agents on Earth in this weird time, uh, and then you can decide yeah. whether or not the U.S. blows up the last bastion of Japan or not.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, so from that, there's a lot. There's a lot of stuff there. There's like multiple yes. levels. Um, the most interesting and the best level to me was the lowest one, which is all the MA and and stuff and that twist. Uh, the way it's executed is frankly like stunning in how underplayed it is for this game that is so wacky uh the what happens is you go through the hotel one time uh and you find a bunch of magic bullets and that's just normal you just find the bullets in this place you find yeah, the bullets in every you level have you have
0: to find the bullets to unlock the boss door
2: yeah and you find the bullets you unlock the boss door everything is normal and fine you're like oh i'm out of the hotel never coming back there again uh then you eventually you go back to the hotel and and you, there's no enemies. You yeah, just the thing, the, the thing with that,
0: the thing that I think is worth noting is that in the rest of the game, the bullets are almost always behind puzzles uh, or like big enemy rooms. And in the in the hotel, there are enemies, but every time you go to get a bullet, they're just in an empty hotel room where there's nothing yes.
2: there. You, uh occasionally there's like a, a ghost there. Yeah. That you have like a little unrelated conversation too, uh, but you just go find uh find the bullets like there's one with like a toaster in a bathtub you're like man something happened here and it, you, because the game kind of trains you to like bounce off everything you're like well a, i just I won't think any further about that um and then you come back uh and you find out that all the magic bullets that you um uh, recovered in the first game uh, the first time through this level uh were the times that amir parkrunner killed the original killer seven uh as you learn that uh garcian uh is amir uh, and the big final reveal is he opens the um, case that he's been using to revive everyone. Yes, because uh, if
0: if a character dies, their head is left in a bloody bag, and then you have to take Garcia and collect it, and then they'll be resurrected.
2: Yep. Uh, and it, inside his case, which has, has been implied that he's been like putting his body in the medical equipment, uh, is just everyone's weapons. Uh, and it's the like the moment you never expected because the game has packed so much bullshit on top of everything. Uh, that it, when it all comes down to it, it's just a you were the killer all along story. <laughs> um, uh, you just, whenever, because you would have, if I had told you the to setup to this game, like, without you knowing it was just a, uh, this weird thing, just about a bunch of assassins that uh, are all changing personalities, first guess is, oh, they're all one guy. Um, and that ends up but being the, true. But the game, also the game not makes true. it
0: explicit from the jump that they're all one guy. They just tell you
2: it's the yeah. wrong guy. Yes. Yes. Um, And, yeah, the way all that, like, ends up uh, folding back into the other layers is less interesting. It's more this one moment of, oh, right, it's bad to be uh, raised by the state assassin, I guess. Uh, Classical anime themes, but it still works. Still works. Uh, It's a good ending.
0: For me, it was, specifically, this is the first game I'd ever encountered the idea that Japan might have thoughts about how the U.S. treated them uh, as, like, a country and a military after World War II. Um, Mm -hmm. and so that stuff, I remember being very evocative when I played this the first time, because it was just stuff I had never even thought about before. Uh, and so on that level, when it's the first time you're ever encountering these things, the ending where you get to decide whether or not the U S blows up Japan or Japan infiltrates the U S and takes it over was really incredible and evocative. Uh, yeah. And has someone who has seen a bunch of media now doesn't really play in the same way. I'm like, Oh, it's one of these. Okay.
2: (laughs) yeah i didn't it didn't it basically didn't impact me at all yeah, I was like oh, we've oh, all sure. seen Shin uh, godzilla yeah yeah right exactly <laughs> um, um or,
0: or any other like a thousand things, but like uh in this instance, I remember it being I was like, I can't believe this is like the final choice of been. this is incredible, uh, because, like
2: you know not really a thing that people are taught in American schools, <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely not we've never talked about this. So uh, if you
2: haven't like read super widely as a teen, then you're gonna get your first experience. Of this is gonna be from some anime bullshit or a game. Yeah. Like every time. Yes. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that makes sense to me. Yep. Uh,
0: each time, both times I have played this game, I sided with Japan. I don't know what well, that yeah, says same. about
2: me. <laughs> and we don't like America very much. Well, that's true. Um, do you have any more any more thoughts on on the ending stuff? I, what other bits do we want to hit uh, in this discussion?
0: uh so if you are interested in killer 7 you play it and you're like okay there's a lot here it's kind of a mess uh i would invite you to go look at the like lore book that was released after killer 7 came out uh which is called hand and killer 7 right
2: yes there's uh, a file on game facts that is the whole thing
0: yes uh and it will explode out the lore of the game in directions that are both interesting and terrible as such things are wont to do uh there's a lot of stuff there and a lot of it is like Things that are just not in the game that are expanded out upon conjecture wise. Uh, I remember poring over it uh, back in the day. I didn't even look at it this time. I, I was going to, and then I started. And I was like, you know what? I don't actually want to talk about any of this. I don't want to be this person. I just want to enjoy the game for what it is.
2: Yeah, uh, I was also like considering it, but then was like, I would rather, I would actively rather not do this, so I can think about the game on its own merits yep
0: uh, uh if you if because this didn't exist when i played the game originally but there are uh there's a youtube videos of someone breaking down the book page by page and talk about what's on there because then you get to see all the cool art because it's also a very cool art book of all the characters and stuff
2: mm-hmm. the game effects uh, page is in ascii as they all are.
0: yes <laughs> <laughs> uh the, yes it's interesting because it builds up all this lore and none of it matters like uh gar- uh Harmon Smith versus uh, Kunlan, like it opens the game and then ends the game with like a hundred years later in Shanghai. This is happening again, where the beginning of the game is the end of the game, but in a radically different context. And you're like, yeah, I get it. The war never ends. <laughs>
2: uh, war is hell, and it continues because it's just in you know, on. It's just the gods of war fighting forever.
0: Um, and all that stuff is like kind of service level and shallow, and I've seen it a dozen times. But I still really like the like. Panache with which this game goes and pulls all of that off. Mm-hmm. uh It should not cohere as well as it does, but because everything is in abstraction layers and one of the most stylish games uh, still that I've ever played, uh it's great. I just the moment to moment, I'm like, I'm enjoying this. It's not, maybe not particularly deep, but it rarely looks as good being presented to me.
2: Yeah, like the fact that it's not deep is fine because it actually, ne- like, all these ideas are present in the game and they're intentional, but it never. Talks about them in the way that, um, you know, other games that people are like, this is a, you know, cool Japanese game that's about things, like, talk about that. No one's monologuing about this stuff. Uh, There'll, like, be some, like, references in someone's dialogue, but mostly you'll walk into a room and start playing Russian Roulette with a guy who's like, I'm gonna teach you the secret to hitting on every woman. And you're like, what? Okay, sure. And then Garcian is super cool as he doesn't even hesitate every time he plays Russian Roulette, just pulls the trigger and it clicks every time. uh and so it leans into the like moment to moment being just scenes that are cool uh so it ends up being fine that the the game isn't deep with what it's saying because it ends up not saying it that much it's more just look at the stuff uh look at how cool this is um my favorite screen in the game comes really early on uh which is one of my favorite screens in any video game i know m knows what it is um it's uh down by the um, uh, the laundry room in the first area, uh, there is a staircase going up, and the uh, the staircase has two levels. And in the middle level, uh, there is a save room. And as you go up the staircase, uh, the first bit is just a staircase rendered in a Killer Seven style. But at the last bit, they don't even render the staircase. It's just a flat grey texture. You see your character ascend, uh, and then it fades to the like room select uh, overlay as you get up to the top. It's incredible. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, the things this game does with like spaces. Um, excellent. Fantastic. Uh, I feel like we've been talking a lot. Actually, do you have any, <laughs> uh, any, any takes you want to add? I think it's great that you can't beat the first level until you flush a toilet. <laughs> That's true. You do have to flush the toilet. Just to turn on the air con as well. Uh, you you don't have guess. to turn on the air conditioner.
1: Uh, that's only a, That that clears the flames if you light the candles in the wrong oh, order. Oh, right, yes.
2: Oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I, I thought you had to turn. I'm trying to work up what I did wrong. I guess I did turn on the candles in the wrong order the first time. Uh, uh, yeah, I did
0: too, uh, because for some reason I just didn't look and see the numbers underneath the candles. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, those... I
2: ran into the candles before I got the explanation.
1: Mm-hmm. Those numbers aren't there i think even if you get the clue those numbers aren't there on deadly and then um i found out they were there on normal and it's it's kind of funny that like that they the game cares so little about you actually solving its puzzles as opposed to going through the motions that it can literally just put those numbers there
2: yep uh so the thing with deadly that is the main difference um i cuz if you played it on deadly then mm-hmm. uh so do they not have do the enemies not have weak spots or do they just not reveal the weak spots
1: um
2: the enemies... No, they don't have the glowing like things, but if there's still a spot, you can kill an enemy in one hit.
1: I definitely had enemies that blew up into blood, so I think you just are supposed to like try where you know the weak spots can be. And
2: okay, because um, that would make the game so much more hectic and take forever. Because uh, um, I definitely got into a rhythm once I had like figured out how the game worked, that I could just. Uh, walk into a room, scan immediately uh, kill someone hit that hit that um hit that weak spot, get the blood uh, every level I got more blood than was needed for all the upgrades uh, like I would always end with a thousand blood that would never go anywhere because of how the upgrades are limited per level.
1: Mm. yeah, I mean they they limit the amount of blood that you can use for upgrades because there's a few points in the game where you can literally farm enemies infinitely but like in the levels where you just are killing enemies normally and you hit that, that um, limit, it feels really bad to me, at least.
2: Oh yeah, it feels really bad to me as well. Um, I think it was a bad uh, choice in how they limit upgrade progression. I think there are so many better ways to do that uh, because it ends up disincentivizing you from playing with um, characters you haven't already leveled up. I'm trying to uh,
1: remember. I think weak spots are visible on deadly i think it's only in killer eight that they're invisible i've played it on killer eight yeah okay i'm pretty sure
2: yeah okay i thought that i swore it said that there's no weak spots in deadly uh, on the title sequence but that could have been killer eight and i'm getting confused
1: yeah i don't want to sound really silly in the final podcast (laughs) if i said that there were no weak spots in there
2: um well there is at least one mode where there are no weak spots i was just curious how that worked
1: yeah in killer eight um in addition to getting young Harmon Smith um, and getting one shot by basically every enemy um, the critical spots are invisible and there's no map legend uh, I think Deadly the only difference is that you get fewer hints for the puzzles and stuff and the enemies take a few more shots but it's not nearly as, as drastic as Killer8 um, the,
2: I don't understand why you'd like that like that. is uninteresting difficulty wise I don't know why you'd want to be one shot by everyone I mean Dante must die people like that style of game right yeah people I, like that style of game but like I don't know it's the same thing as European Extreme Metal Gear like the, it is integral to Killer7 to have a thing explode on you and then be like ah shit all my health I gotta run I mean you um, can't play
0: Killer8 until you've beaten the game so it's just yeah. there for people who want to play more of the game right I've beaten I would
2: all,
1: assume... all of these games mentioned on the difficulties mentioned so I guess it's just a personal <laughs> preference
2: <laughs> oh no for sure uh i just would want the um toughest difficulty balanced a- across like all the things that make the game good uh but you know some people want to play hard games yeah that's fine,
0: that fine. i played on normal every time i've ever played this game it's been on normal
2: <laughs> yep um i will if i ever go back i will also play it on normal i seem see myself increasing it Uh, I'm already stressed enough just by playing Killer7. The main
1: difference is that while I personally like difficult games, I am totally I totally understand why other people would want to play it on easier difficulties and I hate when there's people who like have have, like the, oh you never beat Bayonetta on Infinite Climax, are you even like a real gamer? Like that's Uh, the worst
2: (laughs) Well, yeah those people are bad Um, They'd be Bayonetta Bayonetta elitists Bayonetta would kick your ass (laughs) Bayonetta literally has a mode to allow you
0: to play the game with like one button. Just play the game.
2: <laughs> Bayonetta <laughs> wants everyone to enjoy uh, Bayonetta. Uh, is that um, everything we have? Does I anyone th- have any final thoughts? Uh, oh, not really. I just think we should mention uh, one of the moments. We never, we never shouted out the time the building falls over. Oh, right. <laughs> Which is one of the coolest things to ever happen in a video game. Yeah, I just so wanted you, to get that on, so you, on so
0: tape. Go, so you go through Man. I'm just going to explain. You go through Man, and everyone's talking about this guy who showed up and created this giant like, corporate like, self-help cult thing. Um that has recently taken a bent into terrorism. Um, and so you're like, oh, this is like a company town now, and it's all corrupt, and I'm going to go in, I'm going to storm the giant skyscraper, and I'm going to fight this guy and tear down his whole empire. And you go through the main door of the giant skyscraper, and on the other side, it's just like a like old-timey Hollywood facade, like in a cartoon. It's like a 300-foot-tall piece of cardboard held up by struts that falls over as soon as you go through the door. Uh, and the guy is just in a trailer slightly down the way.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's literally the uh, Monopar from the Holy Grail joke. Um, and it's fucking good. It's uh, very good. <laughs> it's it's so funny. Because it's, it's it's not like... I mean, it would be obvious if you've played the game or seen the game, but if you haven't, it's not like the building is a cardboard cutout in the... Le- like. When you walked up to it before, it was a thing that looked like a building, and then you go into the next room, and then it falls over. It's not like it was always a cardboard cutout um, in the like, just in the level in the, the model of it you see originally. Yeah. Uh, the way it pulls the rug out from under you is very good. Uh, it's also very fifteen-year-old genius. Um, it would have blown my mind. Like, well, if if you if everyone thinks you're super powerful, then it's the same thing. You don't need to do any of the things. And every teenager goes, "Man, this is genius." Uh It's pretty good. I, I still like I appreci- it. So. <laughs> no, I appreciate No, that wasn't an insult. That is like I appreciate Killer 7s um you know, dumb guy genius. Someone needs to be doing it. Yeah. On some level I'd rather have it uh than Kajima actually trying to say something with uh the man with a skull for a face. <laughs> I don't even know what you're talking about. So uh
1: <laughs> Ashley, He's any final thoughts? Face. I'm just trying to work out in my brain whether i think um guichi sudo or hideo kojima is the better um wacky japanese auteur as much as i hate that concept
2: (laughs) i mean it's a bad concept um it ends up harming anyone who gets that title uh (laughs) you just look at the weird cultish like tweets around um uh i've forgotten his name but the near guy.
1: Why have I forgotten? Oh, Yokotaro.
2: Uh, Yokotaro. Yeah, I do know his name. I've been bad with names recently. If you listen to model podcast, and this has happened in every one, um, but yeah, like the way people get left like uh, lifted to this kind of can do no wrong level is um, just a bit <laughs> embarrassing. Especially when like this game has a lot of stuff in it that is bad, and I don't mean like um, you know, uh, Cloud Man is a, a like black uh, hypersexual cult leader voiced by cam clark yeah teaching everyone the way of uh american like the way american men are meant to be uh there's a lot going on there that i don't even think the people making the game have really like considered how bad this is um but luckily it came out before ideology uh, <laughs> so we just kind of could uh, ignore that at the time but even going back to it it's it's um you know, it's there. You don't ignore it. It is a thing that is real. Uh, calling Sudarshan like "do no wrong" genius is, it seems, uh, short-sighted. But also saying that you know, there's nothing. But like writing him off because of some bad things also is bad I don't know. He's a guy that makes games. There's a lot of guys that make games. I mean,
0: I think Suda has leaned into weird like Japanese and like anime autourism more than Kojima has. I don't think I don't think Kojima thinks his games are especially weird most of the time. I think he's just trying to tell a story. It's got some like extreme elements because it's about things. Uh I think Goichi Suda probably makes games that he thinks are like cool aesthetically and that just leads to things that can be kind of weird like Shadows of the Damned is- Someone who knows what their brand is making a video game.
2: Yes, I mean like Kojima is in many ways um, like raging against his brand. He's trying to become a legitimate <laughs> filmmaker at all times. Mm-hmm. Uh, he put Kiefer Sutherland in the game, <laughs> like he, you know, he wants to be the serious filmmaker hanging out with um, Guillermo Toro.
1: I mostly meant uh, that as a joke. Like the the, the couple people that I usually hear held up to that title are like Swari, Yokotaro, Guichi uh, and and Hideo Kojima. And mm-hmm. I don't necessarily know that all of them actually live up to that concept, or that they would want to. But when once Jackson mentioned the uh, mentioned Kojima, I just that's where my brain went was like,
2: <laughs> "Little do they know, uh, the only good developer is Kyo Takahashi." So <laughs> I think that's going to be
0: it. Unless oh, anyone it. has any last thing to say, we're going to move on to emails. To emails. want to send us an email, you can send them to podcast at mapping.com. We have three emails about Killer 7. I will read them all out. Uh, First one is from Shumik. Uh, Suda, uh, like several other well known Japanese game developers, often includes mechanics or sections in his game that are obtuse, frustrating, tedious, or unsatisfying in some way for the player. Uh, Sometimes these sections of mechanics seem like deliberate attempts to elicit those feelings from the audience. Do you feel like these elements add to these games as a matter of theme or texture in some other way? Or do they detract from the overall experience? Uh, I think we're all pretty positive on the stuff that's in Killer7, right? Yeah,
1: I can think of sections in his other games that would fit this this description. But I just don't personally know that I can think of any from this game necessarily. Um, Which feels like a cop-out because then I don't know how to answer the question. (laughs) <laughs>
2: i mean there's a lot of talk around this game that positions it as like tedious and awkward i actually found it very smooth and like easy to play uh yes i think I mean, you at, the, at the it...
0: time at the time there was a lot of like critical confusion over the idea like why would you even want a game to be on rails that's not what video games are you want the player to be able to move through the space
2: mm-hmm. uh, and i get that but i think like you know I don't think this game is trying to be awkward to play in the way that No More Heroes is trying to, like, do a pastiche of video games. Like, you do collect a bunch of things to make the stuff happen in No More Heroes in a way that is so thuddingly deliberate. Uh, This game, you use the keys to open doors, uh, and you do it fairly quickly.
0: Uh, our next question is from Declan. Uh, hope today's treating you good. It is. Uh, very excited when I saw your attack attacking Killer7, a game I love very much and would never ever defend even if you paid me. I think you <laughs> could actually just defend Killer7 to people. I think it's fine. I don't think there's too much that's like bad in this game. And I think most of the other stuff makes up for what is there. You know, you add some caveats for content, and you're good. Uh, that said, if you could take any aspect of the game's presentation that jumped out to you and integrate it into another game that you felt was a little lacking in the way Killer7 wasn't, what would your first pick be and why?
2: Ooh. This is a difficult one.
1: Kind of muggy, uh, I mean, I just you? more
2: like more games to look like this, I guess. That's a, a cop-out answer, but it looks really good. But I don't know what like other disparate elements you could even pull from the game would be in this sense.
0: I think it would be nice if more of the like cinematic games had this press A to go forward, press B to go back aspect to them. Uh, mm-hmm. Jackson has sat on enough Skype calls with me when I played through like Uncharted 3 and just couldn't figure out what I was supposed to climb on because there's 7,000 things in the environment and none of them are highlighted properly because they're going for realism that I really just wish
2: I could hit the A button and be taken to the next thing I have to tackle. <laughs> yeah i mean like the game basically being its own design spreadsheet. like it just if you need to interact with a thing it will put it on the screen there are no other options but the options that you have so there's no situation uh where you walk around the same area over and over again like is this a platform i can jump on is this a thing i can interact with no no uh it solves that problem uh and yes so you're right Uh, they should put this uh traversal mechanic in video games that aren't and even if movement. even if you
0: even if you think you found a dead end, it will give you a guitar sting version
2: of like a mystery noise. <laughs> yeah, no it you know if you if there's a thing that it like looks like a dead end, um you will know if it's actually a dead end or if it's a weird interactable uh undiscerned area. Oh, I just realized.
1: This is like the perfect way to combine the elegance of like 2D adventure games and the like better um like the better feeling of like spatial interaction with like three D adventure games, where like a, a space in a three D adventure game feels a lot more alive and a lot more interesting. But like it's really bad when you have to try and find the one pixel in, in on the screen. In that, if you just you know the way that you move around in the space and interact with objects in Killer Seven, if you just had that in like a three D adventure game, I think that would be like really interesting. Yep.
2: I mean the 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 rare occasions uh, in rest in peace telltales games uh where you had to actually directly control the character were always really awkward and would just this would slot in perfectly to those yes uh, i'm thinking about the remember the time you had to walk up and down the train in the first walking dead for no reason over and over again yeah to put all the things in uh this would go very well with those games shame no one will make any of them again <laughs> there have
1: to be a few telltale ex employees that are trying to like
2: you know i mean they're trying to get paid and eat yeah (laughs) like the industrial like scale of organization to make this happen like there'll be some telltale style games but that genre died overnight in a way that is profound that because they were the company that did them uh you know i'd love to see that style return and make a resurgence somewhere else but i am doubtful um and then we have one last email from uh tron that
0: includes a bunch of questions that i think we've answered through the podcast but so there's one that I, we did not uh which is they watched some f- gameplay footage of this game because they had not played it and had a bunch of questions about it and one of them was does this feel like a road not taken for the shooter genre we've mostly talked about this game as a adventure game but it is also as much a shooter as it is a puzzle solving game mm-hmm. um how does everyone feel about this as like a road that shooters could take
1: i'm actually really curious how did the um how did the shooting feel did you either of you play with keyboard and mouse no i had (laughs) a controller okay because the the shooting in this game was definitely made for a controller um Mm -hmm. and it has a certain element of imprecision plus aim assist that uh i think is awkward but necessary for a shooter on consoles Uh, but i think that if you had if you had this control scheme in or this you know this rails element but like you know in a a game where you actually got to aim with your mouse it might be a lot more better as a shooter as opposed to just a game that has shooting in it because that's how you interact with like certain parts of the world
2: (laughs) i mean the one idea that Dead Space had, right, was in a, a kind of Kill 7's idea. Uh, you don't shoot the head every time. You shoot the things in the different weak spots to to make uh, the like game happen. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, also, uh, Binary Domain had that. Binary Domain had that as well. Binary Domain was a little... Uh, it was more traditional shooter, so it wasn't the same like... Um... Oh, sure. The thing I associate with both of these games is that they are... Preci- like, you do one-shot. I mean, there is the like assault rifle options in Dead Space, and it's more action-y. Uh, but... I see these games as being about lining up the shots and taking them in a way that's very cool, because uh, that's how I like to play shooters. Like, I prefer to have a shotgun or a pistol when I'm using it when I'm playing a shooter than I would a, like a regular assault rifle. Um, whereas I feel like they're never designed for that. Uh, this game is very much designed for like take your shots, uh, and because it's also designed around a controller, it's not like mouse and keyboard precision. So I like it a lot. Um, I don't necessarily think it like represents a full road not taken. I think this was a more common way of designing shooters in this era um like you know like Resident Evil 4 is not that far off from this um Dead Rising brings in a lot of these ideas uh Metal Gear Solid 3 is kind of the same game in a lot of ways uh just instead of being uh, on rails it's uh you know it's a stealth game then you go into first person you line up the shot um and you shoot the radio or the head and you know you move on um so I, I do, I, I really like this design of shooter and I would have loved to see it more. Uh, I just think it got, it died out for sad reasons. Uh, I mean, the thing I would say is I think this has more in common with like
0: uh, light gun shooters than it does like shooters as we think of them. Um, mm-hmm. Those games you're on rails and being moved through the space and then enemies pop up, like, you know, up uh, around crates and doors and go blah and then you shoot them and, um, and in this, you stay when the shooting happens. You stand still, and then the enemies around the corners or come at you, like drop down from the sky. Uh, but the main mechanic is still like there is a limited time to shoot things that are going to hit your body and cause you damage, uh, and you are just kind of parsing the screen for targets in that moment. Um, and we did have like a light gun renaissance back when the Wii existed and move controllers or whatever, but all that stuff's been kind of shunted off to VR, and I think that's a shame because none of us are ever going to play those things. Um, nope. Uh, but I, I think it's a good idea. I still think light gun games are interesting. I would like people to take modern stabs at those that don't require you to have exotic hardware that costs a bunch of money. And
1: I mean that in like the move controller as much as I mean the VR headset. Yeah. Um, I actually found the Metal Gear Solid comparison interesting because even though I've the hell out of those games i never made that that connection because the, the one thing that i think about this game um that separates it from other games is that there's like there's the mode where you're shooting and the mode where you're not they're very discreet um but like other than the fact that you can shoot from the hip in metal gear solid it's not very good um that also kind of basically has the same mode where you're like you're in your third person you're doing yourself and then you, if you have to shoot someone you go into your shooting mode your first person mm-hmm. um
2: yeah. Uh, that's why I brought up him, um, you know, Dead Rising and Resident Evil 4 as well. Like I, I, like games where you plant your feet to shoot. I think it is a good mm-hmm. mechanic. Um, and both I those games was...
0: have light gun uh, installments. I think is yes. interesting to note.
2: <laughs> yes, uh, they both came to the Wii, and they just did that. Yeah, because uh, it actually lines up for that really well. Um, yeah, no, I, I, always forget about Resident Evil 4 Wii, but that was a lot of people's way they played that game
0: uh i i have played i've originally played on gamecube but then i did play through it again on wii and it's a pretty mm-hmm. good way to play that game but i also meant that there are resident evil light gun games they're just straight up like
2: <laughs> oh that too yes there yes. is uh, we, let's go play the umbrella chronicles <laughs>
0: uh, i will not but uh, someone does <laughs> someone does um, but yes uh, and that's it so, for questions think that's it yeah cool uh, next month we are uh playing chrono trigger <laughs> Uh, you know what that is you can get it on it's on like t- like mobile right it's on mobile it's on steam, on steam. It's you can on... get the ds version it's a little too expensive uh yep. it's on psn you don't really want to play that version but it's there if you're desperate uh is it on the is it on the playstation classic or the snes classic or anything do you know
2: i don't think i don't think it's on the snes classic because i think they got um final fantasy six, final fantasy 6 instead yeah yeah okay Alright, uh, so I, the don't, I don't think it's on of those it. games. It's on the internet. <laughs> yeah, it's
0: on the internet, of course. Uh, less than it was, like, a year ago because of the way that's gone. <laughs> yeah,
2: but. I guess I don't know. I guess I have not looked for ROMs since uh, Nintendo took down all the ROMs, but, you know. If you can find a way to play Chrono Trigger, join us uh, with Chrono Trigger. If you don't want to play Chrono Trigger, we will talk about it and we will explain the plot. They go wow. through time. Yep. Uh, and this is what happens. Ashlyn, would you like to
1: provide any plugs? Uh... Well, you can find me on Twitter, which is love, spelled L-U-V, Jane Doe. Um, and if I ever have any other relevant books, I will probably have them on my Twitter. So you can just find them there eventually. <laughs>
0: cool. Uh, all right. Uh, thank you once again for being on and supporting us. Jackson, do you want to tell
2: people where they can find all of our stuff? All of our stuff can be found on the website at normapping.com. We have a bunch of podcasts there. Uh, including Second Office of Slog, which is our Star Trek podcast, uh, usually about books. But right now, while Discovery's airing, we're doing weekly Discovery episodes instead. Uh, maybe there'll be a book before Discovery's end. No promises. No, there, you never will be, listen there up, absolutely but... will not be. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're very busy. Um, but, you know, uh, if you like Star Trek, go listen to the podcast. If you um, don't like Star Trek and want other sci-fi, well, then me and Molly do the Amory Score at com. That's its own thing. Uh, but we also have uh if you go to patreon.com slash normal mapping
0: you can find an array of tiers to help support the network uh find podcasts like this produced by people who pledge the patron uh thank you everyone and also for one dollar a month you get the great gundam project which is once a week on wednesdays me and jackson watch two episodes of mobile suit gundam uh as you're hearing this, we are in the end stages of War in the Pocket, which is only six episodes. It was, you know, Week two just came out. Uh, week three is coming up. We should have a very special guest for that episode. So uh, please look forward to that. Um, Gundam's great. We've been watching it for so long, and we have so far to go. We're not even in the 90s yet.
2: <laughs> we're not even in the 90s yet. We, we were in the 90s. Briefly, but it doesn't count. Briefly, but not now. Yeah. Oh, we uh, are in you, the 90s in a week. Did you say your Twitter handle, Jackson?
0: I'm a off. And if you want to find me, I'm at EM underscore being, uh until next month, uh play some video games. Or don't. Yeah, or don't, I guess. <laughs>